Welcome to the Lindsay Holder Podcast. Gain tips on how to run a successful small business, as well as how to keep yourself looking good while you do it. Here are your hosts, Lindsay Holder Reinhardt and Ashley Rinkin. You know when you're on Instagram and you're about to give up as you feel it's just not doing anything? I definitely (laughs) know that feeling all too well. But guess what? Then sometimes when you super focus on the relationships that you build, really great things can happen out of it. And you can get to know that person a little better slowly over time. So it looks like this. So first is like a, a like, then you'll start commenting with that person, right? Then once you get to know them a little bit better and you see that they're commenting back and they're engaging back, then direct messages can happen. And before you know it, you're like, who is this person? (laughs) So then you connect with them on Facebook, see what they're doing on LinkedIn, and then maybe connect with them on a Facebook group and then just be a part of their groups and invite them to your group. And then you start to truly connect. Well, that's the story of Sharon Cassidy and I. It's been about a year and a half of just getting to know one another, see what she's about. And Sharon has always been so generous over the the length of time that I've gotten to know her. And she's never tried to like sell me anything ever, not once. She's always just tried to help me. In fact, she's just offered advice and help for free whenever I wanted. And she would even just give me advice without me even asking in a really sweet, friendly way. And it just was so needed. And I was like, wow, this is a smart lady. I'm, I want to, what else does she have to say? But it just spoke volumes to me that she was just getting to know me and she didn't ask for anything in return. So that's just the type of character that she is. And that's the type of people that I surround myself with. So when we finally spoke on the phone for the first time, she said that, you know, she felt like she had known me for a long time. It was such an easy conversation. And I felt exactly the same way. Like we jumped right in and we had so much in common and it just, the conversation could have gone on, honestly, I think for hours. So, because we just, we have both have a passion for business and succeeding ahead and we can just learn from each other. And she has so much to say. And it's just like, you know, conversations, how friends should be. So she is so passionate and knowledgeable about social media strategy. And as a small business, I am constantly learning and growing. But oh my gosh, like learning about face ads alone is just so overwhelming to me. So I asked Sharon, please be part of this podcast and help us get to know what social strategy, media strategy is and break it down for us because it is not easy to figure out. So she does exactly that in this episode. I'm so thankful for her and fortunate. I hope it really helps you. So get ready to learn about social media strategy, Facebook ads, find out where pixels are and why you need to start using them. I had no idea what that meant. And it will make a huge difference in your business. This tip alone about the pixels Oh my gosh, it's worth listening to this session just to get this juicy bit of information. (laughs) So let's get started and welcome Sharon Cassidy, social media strategist. She's going to teach us how to propel our business forward. 
Sharon, thank you so much for being on the show today. I'm so excited. And after people have heard the intro to the podcast, now they know how important social media can bring people to connections and like you never know who you're going to meet. It's so wild. I mean, I think. (laughs) Thank you for having me, Lindsay. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. I was also super excited that you said yes to be in the podcast because I knew that people needed to have your expertise come on, especially now when there's a lot of small business owners that they're going to have to really go back to square one and rely on themselves to, all right, how am I going to get to where I need with marketing? I need help on this. And I don't even understand if I do need outside resources or help, I don't even understand who to go to or like what the difference is between a strategist and social media manager. So I'm so excited just to go through all of those topics today. So I'd like to first start off, just let guests hear like, how did you get started to being like a, a social media strategist? Like what made you want to, to do that? Mm-hmm. So it's actually very funny how it all started. So it's funny how we are pivoting and changing directions when we're not really, you know, we're going one way, then something grabs our attention. And before you know it, you find what's really, you know, excites you. So I worked with a company for a little bit in my beginnings. And then I stayed home with my children for 12 years, raising them. I have five children. Wow. Yeah. And during that time, I was lucky enough to, first of all, stay home with them. But then I also went to school for software development. And that was from 1999 to 2003. I'm not sure if I should say this, but so anyway, I went to school for software development. And then when I was finally ready to go back to work, after being so long, I was kind of thinking, all right, I've been home for 12 years. Where am I going to get a job? Um, Who's going to want to hire me, right? So I ended up with a company. An opportunity came and I ended up with a company that was two hours each way driving. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, I have to go because, again, it's a great opportunity, you know, and it's a great company and et cetera, whatever. So I worked with this company for about four years. Now, this company I was an executive assistant at. And in this company, in this role, I got to work in the sales and marketing department. And with my background from web development or actually software development, right, I could edit websites and I could, you know, do some web development. Now, with that being said... I started working on this company's website just to assist them because they were making a new website and so forth. Mm -hmm. I ended up working with a vendor and this vendor actually, their place of business was in my hometown, right? So I'm working for a year with this vendor who actually the business is in my hometown. So now it got to a point where the vendor asked if I wanted to work with them because I was doing so much work on the web development side. And I said, well, if you ask my employer, because at that time, I just wanted to be done driving that far. It was just horrible. <laughs> commute. Yeah, I don't I blame loved, you. I love yeah. the company, but it was just, I just felt yeah. mommy guilt and everything for not being right. Home. So anyway, so I ended up going to work for this web development company. My employer gave me the blessings. Now on the other side of it, I ended up having this employer as our client, right? So my former employer is now my client. So that's why it all worked out well. So now I'm working for a web development company. I was a project manager. And then I also was a client relations and I did training. But at that time, we started to see how companies really needed social media. Like social media now is coming into play. There's Facebook pages for businesses. There's Twitter, right? Twitter. Mm -hmm. And there's different things happening for businesses. And we started seeing, especially with web web development, it almost came hand in hand with, all right, you need a website. You should be on social media as well for like, kind of like, how would you tell your company or how would you tell your audience about your 
your website and your brand, oh, through social media. So that's how like social media started coming in to light. This is probably like 2011. So with that being said, I created, now my thing is they were strictly web development company. They didn't want anything to do with social media, you know, the company itself, because they were Mm -hmm. web developers. But then when I came on board, I started seeing the need and I noticed the social media happening and I knew it was going to be big. Like we weren't going to go backwards at that point. Right. So right, right. I developed social media packages. I created each, you know, different levels for our different organizations. And then I also created competitive analysis because I think that was very important as well. Yeah. So then we started getting clients at that point. A couple of clients, then quickly that company though resolved or dissolved, I should say. Yeah. <laughs> they um, did resolve it. They yeah, just dissolved. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Soon after that, that company decided no longer to do web development. They went into something totally different. And then the clients that I got during that time, because I was the only one doing the social media, a couple of the clients asked to stay with me. And to this day, I still have them. Oh, wow. Since 2011. Yeah. And to be honest, it's one client now to this day. Well, actually, it's two. It's a, yeah. So it's two parts that come that I still have today. Yeah. Which is great. It's my longest and dearest client. And then that's how SharonCassidy.com started. Exactly. Like Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's incredible. I love hearing people's backstories because there's always a story to that. And it also shows how long you've been in this game and you've seen everything change and pivot. You know how you have to do that with your business. So you've seen how it's grown and developed because Facebook and all of that, and they didn't have, I don't even know if they had it back then. Oh, constantly. Constantly. I mean, yeah, it's all the time. It's so hard to keep up. And I think even for like somebody like me, I need help on the back end because I'm trying to run my business and I don't have a lot of time to see what all the trends are, what's happening. So I, it's always helpful to have somebody to help me. Well, for those people who don't know exactly what a social media strategist is, I, this is a two-part question. Mm-hmm. I would love to know, you know, what exactly is a social media strategist? Like, what exactly do they do? And then the second part to this question is, and what is the difference between a social media strategist and a social media manager? Mm-hmm. Good question. So a social media strategist actually creates and plans this overall strategy for a business, the social media presence. Now, in doing so, they also have to take into account the business overall goals, right? Like what the actual, you know, what, so every business would have goals for say one year, six months, 90 days, what have you. And so the social media strategist has to take that in consideration to make sure that their goals with their outcome, what they want is supported through marketing efforts. So they, the social media strategist makes a plan, right? And then generally they don't always execute the plan, but they'll write it up and be able to give it to someone on that business's team, right? The social media manager generally will um, implement a strategy that's given to them. Okay, so they'll take the plan from the mm-hmm. strategist and then they'll implement it and they'll upload everything. Okay, I know exactly. an example of that is we talked on a, our call I said, okay, if I needed five new hydrofacial clients for the next two months, that was kind of like an example of what a goal could be. So a concrete goal to, and then we would develop a plan on how to get that. Or if I needed just to launch a product and say, my goal is to sell X amount of units of this new product, then that's a, a, you would come up with like a strategy to sell that product. Yep, like a very exactly. specific, mm-hmm. um, quantifiable goal yep. that you can measure out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for an example, if you came up and said, okay, I want to make just for, you know, for numbers, 200,000 in six months, 
right? That's just an example. So I would say something like, or what a strategist would do would be, okay, well, how is this actually going to be done? What products do you have that you're considering to be sold to equal that 200000 What's the price point of those products, right? And then, okay, here's the price point. How many do you need to have sold? And then how are you going to sell these? Are you doing launches? Are you doing live events? Are you selling them through the website? So different things are definitely into consideration by how you'll be selling those. And then also a big one is, has the concept been proven yet? Because a lot of times someone might come to a social media strategist and say, okay, I want to make $200,000 in six months selling this, but yet they've never sold it yet, right? So mm-hmm. it's not, it hasn't been proven. So in proving it, you have to do a lot of tests and actually come up with a formula in the system to sell that, right? And then at that point, then it's easier to like absolutely plan on how many you can sell, how long it's going to take and so forth, what the budget is needed to sell that many, right? For marketing or purposes, whatever. But it's important to distinguish whether or not the concept has been proven. Okay, here's an example. Let's say something that you've never done before. So perfect example is you and I are both writing courses right now. And so my course is on a spot course and I'll let you talk about your course a little in a little bit. So I've obviously never written or launched or sold a spot course. So it was like it's all new for me. So if you ask me those questions, I would be like, I really don't know, Sharon. Just tell me what to do. <laughs> Can mm-hmm. a social media strategist also start from scratch with that person and say, okay, this these are my recommendations mm-hmm. on how to try to sell this. Let's see how it does too, because there's gonna be nothing to measure that, you know, because exactly. I've never done it before. Yep. So everyone starts from where they are, right? So whether or not social yeah. media starts working with you and you've already been, you know, working, doing your plan, you already have this going on and they just pick up and improve on that. Or if it's something that you're just creating, right? So right. all that starts with the actual strategic plan. So you have to start from the beginning. And that means competitive analysis. You have to look at your market, see what's already being done, look at the experience of what level you're already, like if this is your first course, right? And if no one's actually gone through it yet, look at the audience, get people in that course, right? And that's more of a deeper conversation of where you're pulling these people from. Because initially, and then again, when we talk about my course, I can tell you about how my course started. And it'll be a, kind of a good example, I think, even for anyone else starting a course, you know, where they get the initial people are joining the course. Right. Because yes. you start off at zero. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You, you know, start from so somewhere. how do you find those people? Exactly. Yeah. So I'm not sure if you want me to jump into that area or not. But well, that's just like one of the steps like a strategist can help you yeah. try to find those people first. So it sounds like that would be like the first step, too, is like we got to go get these people First, find your audience. You absolutely have to define your message first, right? So again, find your targeted audience. And then we'll like some of these questions too, like, you know, I'm sure we'll touch on about, I believe that you have to first find your warm audience, whatever your message is, right? When I say build, so it's find and build a warm audience, right? So when it comes time for you to, for any promotional sales at all, right? For when you're looking for support, whether you're selling a book, a course, services. I want my clients, or I think anyone should be able to market to a warm audience, an audience that knows you and wants to support you. Now, your audience should be your ideal client, right? Like even if you only had 300, I always say 300 and people say, oh, geez, only 300, but minimum 300 is still a good number. But say you had 300 solid 
clients with solid people that were just waiting to buy from you. That's a lot of people, 300. I mean, if you're starting out with zero, I think that's a great number to achieve for. Oh, it is. And then if you picture that, and then ideally, right, you want this number to grow. But my thought is that you don't want tens of thousands of people that could care less about you. I would much rather, I'd want, I believe in the philosophy of building relationships and nobody's going to buy from someone that they don't know, like, and trust nowadays, especially right. when the difference is, you know, the first is the websites, you have the online presence happening, and then you have, you have Google ads and just like an online presence, right, where you see a business, their blog and so forth, where you can get a glimpse of a company on their digital marketing. But then when social media came about, this is the first time that you can actually know whether or not you like somebody at a different level, where huh. this person ideally should be showing their personality. And either That's they're going to repel, if they're doing it right, they're going to either repel people because they're not everyone's cup of tea, right? They're either going to repel people or draw people in. And then those are the people, once you build a connection and relationship with, people tend to buy from. I know people, like for you, Lindsay, any skincare products, I will go to you because I do believe in supporting people that I actually, that I learned from. You teach me all kinds of things. You teach your audience all kinds of things. I would never <laughs> consider buying for, no, really, and that's just the way I am. But I, and I know I'm not the only one because I see this for my clients as well, right? People reciprocating based on the company supporting their audience. Right, There's other right, companies yeah. that I've learned or met through social media, and I've met a lot of companies, I didn't say companies, but a lot of people, owners of businesses on social media, where I would not consider buying from anyone else for a different, all different types of services. I actually have, and I get reached out on the same, I see it going the other way too, right? People save my contact information or reach out to me. I've had several two-hour phone calls with other businesses just, and they become friends with mine or we've created things together or I've done training with other companies or so forth. So a lot of things come from once you build, know, like, and trust. So that's my first message is that if you're all the way back, right, <laughs> to a course. So find that audience and then we'll get, you know, I can mention some ads or the process that I would take to build your warm audience. Do that first. Get the warm audience going. Make sure they know who you are and what you stand for. That is so That's true. Key. And the reason why Sharon is on this podcast is because we have built that relationship. We reached out many times to each other back and forth. And like when we talked on the phone, you're like, hey, I feel like I know you without yeah. I've never met you. <laughs> I know. And it's just the result of, you know, I think any relationship takes work. And that can, that's regardless if it's even just through like virtually, like socially or in person, that's any relationship. And even with your clients, it's work. So it's funny that you mentioned that. So I'll get Instagram messages, DMs all the time. And there's one person and I don't remember the name of the person, but it's such a turnoff. The messages that person sends to mm. me because it's a hard sell each mm. time. It's, and it would be a lot, you know, I was thinking, why don't you just start off with, hey, I liked your last I you never know, do post. that. No. Yeah. And then never. That person, yeah. And I'm like two seconds away from blocking that because I'm like, please stop sending me these hard sells because it's not, is this, I want to say, is this working for you? It's like a really bad pickup line. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No one buys that. Yeah. And I thought, but on the positive side, I thought, oh, I'm glad I saw this because this is exactly what I do not want to come across. What not as. to do. Yep. Exactly. You see that in different, in every platform you see that too. You're just like, oh, why did they do that? 
Why yeah, are you doing that? That's the worst thing ever. It is the worst. I rather have just a handful of clients that are like, thank you so much, Lindsay. You've really made a difference in my life than a bunch of clients who, who thought less of me. And they're like, oh, you're just trying to run a gimmick here. So, I mean, that's so important for me to be true to myself and be true with my audience. I'm so glad you mentioned that. I oh, just absolutely. think that's true. And, and like, well, I was going to say, it's, it's like, you know that you're one of 30 people that got that message in the last 10 minutes. I mean, oh, usually it's a blanket sell, a sales message, like a blanket one, just like, yeah. a, a, you know copy and paste thing. That's yeah. a very good point. I will say to you mentioned like get a warm audience. Probably a lot of people don't know that that usually includes, which is your specialty, running Facebook ads because there ha- yes. there's a point to where in order to find those people, you do kind of need some ads to kind of help you, don't you think, to get your message out there, to reach them? Oh, my gosh. I actually get tingly when I mention tingly. Facebook. I do. I'm like, oh. I know you yes, get so excited. I do. I, do. <laughs> I get really excited. The thing is this. So one Facebook ad can reach the same amount of people in one whole year's worth of organic reach. So you take, you know, you're posting every single day for a month times 12 organically. One Facebook ad can blow that reach out of the water. Are you talking about your organic reach on Facebook specifically or Instagram? Yes. or what? Oh, Okay, well, on Facebook. Pretty much, well, yeah, for Facebook advertising, right? So for Facebook, organic reach is very slow. I mean, it is pay to play, but I'm okay with that. And the reason why, like a lot of people are like, oh, Facebook just wants my money. Facebook is a, you know, scam, just the prices are going up. Two things. They are a business. I, I get when people exactly. say that, I'm like, yes, they are in business. They have employees. I don't understand why everybody's so upset about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have to pay for our services. It's called yeah. advertising. And why would it be for free? Like all this. I don't like, know. Especially when the amount of times I get sued, right? <laughs> but anyway, yeah. <laughs> like they got to cover their costs. But that's no, right. anyway, that's just a, that's just that's a bad funny. joke. So the thing is with Facebook ads, a couple of different things. Right now, the cost is lower than it was maybe six months ago. And that's really, because, well, that's just because even now the, I believe a couple of weeks ago, I read internet usage is up like 30%. I might be off a little bit, you know, the internet usage now because of what's going on, right. With, mm-hmm. with everyone, the pandemic and so forth, more people, even now. So more people are online six months ago, I would have told you everyone's online, but even more people online now, because a lot of people are desk, they have, you know, for entertainment, for whatever, they're learning new skills for all different purposes, they're online. Right. So with that being said, when you run a Facebook ad now, there's more people online, there's more of a targeted audience. So there's more of a pool of people that your ad can be served to, bringing the cost down. You know what I mean? So if there's a hundred, this is just a low number, say there's a million people and, you know, a million people online six months ago for fishing. They all love fishing. You run an ad, it costs X dollars. But now there's 3 million people online fishing. You run an ad, you know, know what I mean? Like it's, you have yeah. more opportunity to reach more people now. So the cost is down. Now that's one thing, right? But even with that being said, the cost is still very reasonable, extremely reasonable. I do believe they should always pay a certain portion or have a certain amount towards your marketing efforts, right? On a routine basis, but everyone looks different because not everyone can afford, you know, we'll get, we can talk about that more too, but not everyone can afford, you know, X dollars, you know, you can do with this should be like a minimum amount towards your marketing efforts. But what I do know, and I say this very confidently, is that within a couple of years, or at least in a couple of years, the cost will go up. Just like with with Google AdWords, the cost will go up and then it won't be such an even playing field. 
Because right now, like we can compete, small businesses can compete. You know, Coca-Cola does have more money than we do, right? Small businesses. But at least we do have the opportunity to still target and do the same process in targeting our audience. But when the price goes up, you know, just like with Google AdWords, a lot of companies can't afford that. You know, there'll be less and less companies that can partake, especially new companies. I mean, basically anyone can do Facebook ads. So I know business owners are going to ask this next question. You know what this next question is going to be. How much should we invest in ads monthly realistically, like a small business? Mm -hmm. I knew this question was going to come up. (laughs) It's a complicated one, but I'll say it. Yeah. How much is this going to cost me? (laughs) So there's a couple of different things. There's two ways of looking at it. I say, and this includes, you know, I include this in my plan when I work with someone for Facebook advertising. So there's two answers I'm going to give you. There should be two types of ads that you run. One is engagement ads, and that could be look like video views, or it could be a post that you have that has social proof, meaning people liked it, they commented, they shared, and you can actually take that type of a post and make it an ad. That's to show social proof. And again, it's just to build your engagement, to let people know who you are, all right? To let them get used to seeing you. And then I'm going to have to back up just a little bit. Okay. With that being said, the first thing when you start making ads, right? When anyone at all touches your account, the first thing they should be focused on is building a warm audience and working with the pixel. Okay. So on the website, they would app, they would need to build a custom audience. And that's from views off your website. It could be from your email list. So just basically build a custom audience, build a lookalike audience off of that. Okay. And then because what happens is when you run retargeted campaigns, they're much more cost effective. So since we're talking about cost, right, Mm -hmm. it's important to start off your ads the right way, which is by retargeting to a warm market. Right. So that's the first thing. Get your warm market going. Build your warm audience. Right. Okay. Then from there, you should always have the engagement ad going. And something like that, engagement ads, say it was for video views, could be anywhere from one cent to 10 cents a view. Okay. So just say you're planning, like if you're on a small budget, if you have a a large budget, then you have more money to play with, but minimum, something like $60 a month even. You could do just for an engagement ads going constantly. Oh, that's not bad. I no, thought you were going to say like 500 because oh, that's no. what in the past I've heard 500 and I thought, oh my gosh. No, I think that's, I absolutely don't. Even if the company had, you know, much more money, like a lot of money. I'm saying when I say that, I mean medium-sized company, they're making, you know, $15 million a year. If they were to spend on engagement campaign, because engagement campaigns go into your warm audience are the lower cost but yet more effective types of ads. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'd say minimum $60, but plan that every single month. And what you would do is say you take one post a week or two posts a week, right? And then make an ad out of those to your warm warm audience, to a lookalike audience to bring more people in. That's that type of ad. The second one type of ad would be a promotional ad, like what you're actually selling, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe you don't have it going every single month, but maybe it's every, you know, you have an ad going for promotions every few months, right? Whatever it is to support your overall business goals, your revenue that you want to sell. Now that is going to be more, that's different. That's a different type of an answer. It's not where it's $60. Now what that, first of all, you should look at your numbers and I'm going to give you a few different examples of different types of companies or different types of small businesses, what they could expect for call a cost per result, right? So what I mean is if you take for an example, a CPA, right? I know CPA that gets $35 per lead. Yes. <laughs> so like they're, what they pay for ads per day is more like $250 a day. Oh, oh okay. my gosh. Because their, product, wow. 
Well, the product that this person is selling is $2,500. So you should know how much it costs to acquire a customer and what their lifetime value is. And that's just marketing. And that's before social media. Like that's just basic marketing, right? Right. So you know how much one customer, what their lifetime value is. Knowing that information and knowing what you're selling or what your promotion is at that time, you can determine what your limit is that you're willing to pay for that customer. Okay, that's good. How would you know how much a customer (laughs) is lifetime? And it's so funny that you mentioned that because I used to work way back in the day at Nordstrom and they always talked about the value. Like, look at that person as that is not a one-time transaction with a client. We want them over a lifetime. So that's why it's so easy to return something there. They're like, we don't want to ask any questions because this is somebody that we're investing in over their lifetime, not just for this one transaction. And I think it's so important that businesses look at their guests, at their client as a lifetime investment, not a one-time transaction. So I'm so glad that you mentioned that. Now, how I would have to Google, like, how would you find out how much that client is worth I really wouldn't know is that them coming into the spa like once a month and they usually get this times 10 years I don't know yeah so what I do so there's a couple of different things first of all I believe in keeping a database of all your clients and customers now, if you're a smaller business, you can actually do it on an Excel sheet or some type of CMS. Oh, they have or a point of sale system. Point of sale system. Yeah. They can run a report. Yeah. And know exactly what these people buy. And do you upsell them? Like I used to always work with insurance companies. And it was all about the upsell, right? So they, mm-hmm. they buy dental originally. They buy health. Whatever they didn't buy, there's life insurance, there's disability you go after, you know, you sell them the other products they don't yet have at certain right. open Roman times, right? Mm-hmm. And then they know each person, what, how many products they call it, they own. And so it'd be the same thing, say, maybe for a spa, right? So like with this person goes in, you know, like how much this person's, and you might even look at like, okay, out of 100 people, this client A, which is Sally, she comes and she only gets, you know, her facials done once a year, right? So I would like mm-hmm. segment them. Like segment them definitely as to what the process is and maybe even how long it took them to buy into the next product. Okay. Uh, I mean, that's just one thought on that. Mm-hmm. Now, that's for a salon. Something like I know companies where there's one business coach that actually has to work with this business coach is $7,000 down and then $4,000 a month. Wow. Okay. So it's a very wow. high-end ticket, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So they allotted $200 per lead to get an application processed. Yeah. Well, that makes sense for that amount. I well, see what you're it saying. it didn't work at first. They end up oh. going to $500. Now, this is a thing. This is the exciting part. Wow. So I just point, my point to this is that to start thinking, it's not, when people say, oh, $5 a day, you can run an ad for $5 a day, right? It depends on what you want. If you want $5 a day to get a couple of email addresses, fine, do that. But one word of caution so I guess backing up a bit, it does make a difference on what your goal is. Are you trying to get an application to a high-end product? You need to put in enough money to at least find out what the conversion cost. Once you get to the point where it's a faucet, that's what I call it, the faucet, right? The magical faucet, the slot machine, where you put in X dollars and you know you're going to get so many leads out of it, qualified leads, right? That you don't mind putting in, and I'm sure you heard this before, if you know you put in a dollar and you get $10 back, you'll keep doing it all day, right? Mm -hmm. So the key thing is to create a funnel or create a process of of whatever the goal is that you're you're shooting for. And then uh, while I'm going to slide in here is I would do not suggest the $5 a day approach. When you're first trying to collect your numbers, you're not sure how much a conversion actually is going to cost to get that sale. 
do a lifetime budget. I suggest initially while you're testing, do a lifetime budget of even if it's, you know, $100 or $200 for 15 days, something like that. And I'll tell you why I say something like that. There's reasons behind that. Find out how much the cost per actually will cost. And then you'll know, okay, well, say you were just trying to get email addresses, whatever. I know, or say you were trying to get sign-ins to a webinar. It's going to be about $3. If you wanted, you could do, depending on your budget, because not everyone has a lot of money, right? Maybe you, then you can do $10 a day. Maybe it's $7 a day. Because the point is, is that if you know it costs $3 for someone to subscribe to, your, say, your webinar or your masterclass, right? And you're putting in $5 a day. Well, that only will let this one person yeah. sign up a day. And you won't have true numbers. And you're never going to be able to work and approve that number. Gotcha. Because if Facebook will shut down and then revamp up again the next day, shut down, it never gets on a roll. But if you do a lifetime, Facebook will learn because they do want you to succeed. Facebook will learn. They will not show your ad at two in the morning on the East Coast, right? They do actually pay attention where you don't have to like stop your ad, you know, do it daily for yourself and you work all that information in. They'll actually, if you do a lifetime budget, they are good at showing the ad appropriately depending on the time. And then that's a great time for you to collect data. And then once you collect data, you know, okay, let's improve these numbers. And now I can adjust the budget, maybe do daily, whatever is best for you. It's all customizable to you. And this is great because the social media strategists will know how to read those analytics on the back end and be able to guide you. That's what I'm thinking, oh right? Oh, my gosh. That's so important. So the thing is, is what I do and a lot of, this is why I think makes me unique. And I think all companies should do this is that every week you should know your data. You should be tracking your data. You should have certain points that you check in every single week. So what that looks like for me would be Google Analytics, right? Now, so I do Google Analytics and then whatever social media platform the client's on and then also for Facebook ads. Now, what that looks like is I'll have, say, 10 points in Google Analytics to check every single week and track based on what efforts you've been doing on your website or even through social media ads. Because usually when you do social media ads, it reflects on your website and more activity. Okay, that's one thing. But So always keep track of your Google Analytics and not too much because for Google Analytics alone, there's a lot of information. You should know what to track, what types of metrics to track because otherwise it's too much and you won't get the information that you really need from it to extract from it. You do the same thing for your social media platforms. And then if you're running a Facebook campaign, I would suggest at that point, if you're doing a Facebook campaign every single day to go in and mark where your the reach was, how much the impressions were, what the cost per click is, cost per action, how many people viewed the landing page, whatever type, or maybe it's engagement, video views, whatever that goal was for the ad, every single day track certain points to it. So that way you can clearly see how the ad's doing. Now, I do suggest on this, tons of apps. You can get so many apps to pull reports, right? But oh. I don't suggest, oh, you absolutely can. But I don't do it. I don't suggest doing it either. Because what happens is when you go in to get the metrics and you're pulling each of these numbers and you know you have goals to meet, mm -hmm. it's different when you go in because you see all the numbers. And then as you see the numbers, you start seeing a pattern. It's very different to actually go in and get the numbers. It's more of a process of learning how everything's doing as opposed to just viewing numbers. It's just a different process to me, actually going in and viewing all the metrics and pulling out what you're looking for. 
how would you know if this person joined your email list or bought this product or how would you measure that? Is that going to be in your analytics or is that going to be another system that you use when you reach that client? Like it's your responsibility maybe like if they came into the spa, I have an intake form and they would have to put found you on Google ad or if they joined your pop-up website, you'd have to physically ask them, how did you hear about us? I mean, is that how it works? I would definitely get into the habit of finding out, especially if in a business like yours, asking where they've heard from you. Just to know, too, if your marketing's, you know, if they're seeing your marketing ads, they should be seeing you in different places. Hopefully, I don't want to say everywhere, but they should be seeing you. They should be targeted. Absolutely. And I will say this one, and this, I always kept this in mind. I remember one person, an advertiser told me, listen, you're not going to know sometimes exactly where they saw you because they could have seen an ad in a magazine here. Then they Mm -hmm. saw you again on Instagram. Then they saw you again on Facebook. And then a friend told them about you. And then you were on this brochure. And and then you were in a banner. So they're just going to click on Mm -hmm. where they saw you most likely last or what they recollect. But you don't 100% know. And I thought, oh, that's a really good, interesting point. And I can't remember the statistics, but I think it's like, Seven or 10 times they have to see mm-hmm. before they do any type of action. Exactly. Touch points. And the thing is, too, is that, but this is the thing, right? If you go to a store and you buy a shirt, they'll say, oh, do you want a newsletter? Do you want our coupons? Can I have an email address, right? So you mm-hmm. know what happens. They take the email address and they retarget you with ads. So for one example, one client that I consulted with was a conference center. And I asked them, do you send newsletters out? Because that's another thing I track is newsletter subscriptions, you know, anything at all that they're doing for marketing, any effort at all. Ideally, what you want to do is make a pie. You want a pie. Every slice has to be counted for. And every month, visually, eventually, with all the numbers you collect, needs to fill in that pie. You can see visually, you know, what your actions, what's going on with your actions and if things are improving or how you're growing. Now, with that being said, I almost forgot my thought. So with this conference center, I asked them, are you sending a newsletter to your existing clients, you know, the people that come in every single year or every other year to have the conference? It's a beautiful facility. And they said, no, because every time we send out a new email, we get unsubscribers, which makes sense because these people, they're such a big, expensive place that if you're not going there every year, then you start getting newsletters every month from them or every week, you're going to unsubscribe because you just don't need it right then, right? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like if for, it's just like a, such a big, high price ticket, whatever. So instead I said, okay, well, don't not use the list. Take that list and then upload it into Facebook and make retargeted ads. Okay. Then yeah. ads to them saying, thank you for being out. very specific to them saying thank you, or you can say promotional things or upsells or just any messages that you had for a newsletter, you can start targeting them very specifically. I didn't know you could target ads with an email. I didn't yeah. know you could put an email in there. Yeah. Oh my goodness, that I had no idea. Yeah. Oh, so I could use my point of sale mm-hmm. email list. Everybody comes in the spot and then they give us consent to join the newsletter. That's very important, by the way. Make sure that they yes. check the mark for consent. So that's actually in... When you sign up, you have a, you check it Mm -hmm. to agree to it. And then you can target those ads. Wow. Yeah. And then you can actually take that list and then make a lookalike audience from it as well. What do you mean? So it's kind of another whole, uh, (laughs) I don't know if you really want to hear all this. What are you talking about here? (laughs) So once you create a custom audience, okay, for one example, right? For a custom audience, there's a few different ways to create a custom audience. You could put your pixel, first of all, you have to have your pixel on your website. Make sure you have your Facebook pixel on your website. And then after it triggers 100 times, you can actually take that audience, it's called the custom audience, 
I don't know what a pixel is. When you say pixel, I'm like, is that for your picture? (laughs) This is 101 here. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. You know what the thing is, is that if you don't have a pixel on your website, if you're not using a Facebook pixel, and a Facebook pixel is totally separate than Facebook advertising. It's used in advertising, but it's different. It's a cookie, almost like Google has cookies. So you definitely want to get every Facebook business account has a free pixel. It's free. So you put that snippet of code on your website and it tracks everyone that goes to your website and all the pages. So you can track, I make audience buckets, right? So an audience bucket to me was first audience bucket would be a website, you know, someone that went to the website. The second audience bucket would be somebody that went to this certain products page. Another bucket would be somebody that received a thank you because they bought something, you know, a confirmation page. Maybe one was a abandoned cart. So that way, all these different mm-hmm. audiences, you can make very specific messages to all these people and actually target the people that went there. Now, you can also, which is very cool, you can target your Instagram. So for Instagram, it gives you another option. You can target people that visited your profile. You can target people that saved your posts. You can target people that sent you direct messages. You can take these audiences, then all these audiences that I just mentioned, this is why it's like so exciting. I love it. <laughs> all these audiences that I just <laughs> mentioned, you can then make lookalike audiences to them. So let's say you know, your website, you know, doesn't have such a, a large following yet or not many visitors, I should say. Well, a lookalike audience will take that base pixel of the website visitors and then it will go up to an audience of about 2.4 million people that are very similar to the people that actually went to your website. So it takes a guessing game out of you saying, hmm, you know, no, you have you ever made an ad before? Yes. Targeting is the most, I think, the most important part of a ad, this targeting, this copy, and this creative. If you mess up the targeting, right, it doesn't matter how beautiful your ad is. It doesn't matter how perfectly spoken your ad is. If you got the targeting wrong, your ad's going to stink. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's not going to get the results you want. Because right. If you're, you know, a hair salon and you're targeting plumbers by accident, well, okay, that says it right there. It's not a good thing. So that's why you ideally want to get people going to your website right away start pixeling them and then creating a lookalike audience and start building again the warm audience through engagement and so forth. Awesome. Um, You have to have the pixel because you know what? If your competition has the pixel, which they probably, well, more and more people now do, if they have the pixel and they're targeting people in that way, which is much more efficient, then they're going to, they just can, you know, get a much better reach than someone that doesn't have the pixel. And this, so I don't want to overwhelm small business owners that are hearing this because Mm -hmm. it can be a lot. So this is my advice to small business owners. This stuff is awesome what Sharon's going over. So for what I would do with this is I would hire a social media strategist that would look at the back end and say, all right, what are your goals? What do you want to do? And then somebody like Sharon will give the plan and the plan I would give over to a VA and let the VA do the back end work because that's where she's having to get in with like Sharon saying, link to your pixel, link to whatever. And I'm like, what in the world is that? Usually a VA knows exactly what that means and know exactly how to run the ads, know how to exactly how to do all that. Well, so that is what I would do. The one thing I would say though, is the Facebook ads is a little bit different. Facebook ads, like, so like I'll create a strategy for someone and with my clients right now, I create the strategy and I implement the strategy. Like I do it all. You it's run funny. the ads, like you put I, I the do ads everything. together. 
So with yeah. social oh, media, I love that. That's my thing. Some social media strategists can actually not just give you the plan, but they will actually run the ads too. Yeah. So what happens is with the social media strategist, right? So I actually started like, okay, now you start doing the work and you're like, all right, what am I? Like I'm doing everything for my client. But I was finding is that my clients, they'd hire me for social media, but they didn't have a strategy. They needed help building a strategy and then they had no one to implement either. So I've been doing Facebook training for years. Like I've always paid high-end courses month to month. And now I meet with Facebook every two weeks, which makes me again get all tingly (laughs) because I literally have a Facebook person marketing expert that I get to work with. That's huge. Oh my gosh. It took years. You've got like insider information. (laughs) They look at all my ads that we go back and forth, go over every single account and so forth, whatever. But even before then, that only happened a couple months ago. Before then, that's not, they didn't do that. So I'm kind of curious. I think it's because maybe you hit so much money going through. I'm not sure how it happened where I lucked out, but I love it. But with that being said, right? I end up going to strategy because I end up taking courses on that. And I still, there's certain people I work with consistently, like constantly, I support them in teaching me. But every single business is just like mine is different in what they offer their clients. And that's kind of how I got into the process that I looked at how I work with my clients and I created a process going forward so that I didn't do so much one-to-one work with clients because again there's only so many people you can work with one-to-one right yeah yeah, and so but when it comes to Facebook ads that is a different animal altogether and they it does change all the time and when especially when you work with with someone else's money it's very important to get results be very transparent on all the numbers and that's why I think reporting is crucial and a lot of people don't look at their numbers and if you don't look at numbers as fast as they come in you're not going to remember what happened that changed those numbers. I mean, like, so when I do, when I have a meeting with my clients every week or, or most of them every week, sometimes they're biweekly, and we do the, you know, we share a document for the Excel file with the numbers. And when there's an, a difference in the numbers, there'll be a, definitely be a highlighted area saying what happened, what that was. You know, oh, this shows that, and this, we had an ad going there, and you'll see more increases here. Oh, there's less increases on this page because the ad stopped. You know what I mean? Like, so you know, otherwise you don't know what affected the numbers. It doesn't mean it's a good thing or a bad thing. It just shows a reflection of action that you took. But what's great about what you do is you can guide business owner and say, Mm -hmm. this is what I recommend to make this Mm -hmm. ad stronger. This is what I think this played out here. It looks like it's a little less. So why don't we switch up the audience here or whatever? Why don't we target, use these target words or whatever. So yeah. I'm just making stuff up. So really yeah. ab- no, absolutely. <laughs> I don't know how it works. The but- <laughs> perfect example of that would be something like, say you're you're launching, you have a webinar you want people to go to, right? So you're right. targeting different components to your funnel, right? To consider it a funnel. You have your targeted audience. You have your copy, the creative, whether it be a picture or a video. You have the landing page, right? To get to where all the information about the webinar is. You have, then you have the content, on that page, and you have the call to action on that page too. And then you also have, do they show That's up to the right. webinar? And then there's a call to action to get on the phone. There's like eight points to this launch, wow. to this process of your funnel. Now, what we do, or we, there's no we, <laughs> what I do. What you do. <laughs> yeah, what I do is look at the numbers for each single component. Where does it break down? Just because you're not getting the result at the end doesn't mean the whole babies or the water and the baby, whatever that thing is. <laughs> Don't throw yeah. it all away, whatever you do. <laughs> Don't throw it all away. That's a big mistake. People switch their funnels too fast. Like just stop and look at every single section of that ad. Tweak this, 
test that, change that. Did you get the target? Like I said, if you didn't do the targeting right, well, you're not going to get anything at all after that, right? So make sure. So then check the messaging. Messaging is everything. Are you talking to them? Are you stopping them in the track? How's the image? Test the image. Test it with a video. How about the landing page? Oh, yeah. Like all these kinds of stuff. So that's my point is that you definitely have to, based on the numbers, right, that you're tracking, look at every single scenario in your day-to-day marketing as well as ads, especially. Now, Sharon, are you just doing ads on Facebook or do you do ads on Instagram too? I do them both on that too as well. Because Facebook owns Instagram, so it's pretty yep. much yep, the same exactly. thing. So could, yeah. you, could mm-hmm. you put half your money in Facebook ads and the other half in Instagram? Does that strategy work? No, it doesn't really work out like that. Okay. A couple of things, and I'm going to say one caveat about having an Instagram ad. So I have one client that does not have an Instagram account, but they have a Facebook account. I actually do YouTube with them. I do LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter, okay? They don't have an Instagram account. I do not run ads. I shut the Instagram ads off because when you're running a Facebook ad, you have the option to have Instagram right. as well right. and Facebook. But if you don't have an Instagram account, you have to be careful because you cannot control the comments. You can't go in and edit and remove, say, a negative or questionable or even if someone's just being fresh or whatever. You can't take it off if they don't have an account. What if my business, like, I do have an Instagram account. Is that what you mean? Could I, yeah, so I could be- edit the comments. So if yeah. I did, so for the businesses, and most businesses do have an Instagram account, can we split the advertisement between Facebook and Instagram in that situation? That's really not how it works. So what happens oh, is, okay. yeah, <laughs> sorry. I'm trying to make work no, really <laughs> I know. I'm trying to be real complicated. So what happens is you'll select your targeting when you're writing, when you're doing your ad, right? So either it can be an automatic placement where Facebook says, okay, we're just going to put you on banners. We're going to put you on Instagram, stories, marketplace, everywhere. It's going to put you everywhere. But then you're like, then you can do an edited placement. I usually do edited placements because if I have an image, I don't want in-stream videos. Like I don't want to budget towards any videos if I know I have an image. You know what I mean? Like, so you have to make it appropriate for what type of, you're looking at your ad, you know you have an image, you're not going to put it on videos. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, so, so that's why you'll go through and uncheck things or check things. But generally, I do have, if it's a Facebook ad, I'll have it running on Instagram as well. And it does give you an option on each placement to customize what it looks like on every single placement where the ad is shown. And you can see that when you're actually making the ad as well. Making an ad is not hard, which is sounds funny. Making the ad isn't hard. It's the components that go into the ad to make that all work together. Isn't right. that, it's not that it's hard, but you have to know what you're doing. Yeah. You can actually make an ad, tells you what to do as you're doing it. So that's not the hard part. Right. So for the Instagram could we split the budget, like the $60 that you're talking about? I'm a little confused on... I'm um, sorry. I didn't even tell you that. No. Oh. So you put a dollar amount for your ad, and then uh-huh. Facebook takes care of the budget. Okay. And then based on the results of, say, your Instagram ad is doing wondrous and it's doing a great job versus your Facebook, you know, your Facebook version of it. Right. Then Facebook knows to put more dollars towards the Instagram ad. Yeah, and it absolutely will diversify. And you will not see, you know, show you to the results on each platform or where it showed up or what pages, whatever, how that is actually performing. So you'll know by looking at that data, right, you'll know what type of device it worked better on, whether it be an Android or an iPhone. You'll know if it's a desktop, mobile, 
you know, where people viewed it, you'll know the age range of the people. Say you ran an ad for 35 to 65 year olds, but you realize from looking at the data that after 50 years old, nobody really looked at the ad. Now you know to cut back the age, right? You change that, you tweak that age demographic, and then your marketing dollars would be much more efficient. Oh, smart. And let's say, what about like a- One example of, you know, looking at the data. And then your categories too, I think. Now, what do you mean by categories? Because can't you put, so this should target, like you said, plumbers example. So oh, could, yeah. let's say you did a spy ad, you would target beauty, wellness, skincare, like those mm-hmm. types of- uh, um, Yeah. You know, and that's where it goes back to, I would say, to try to use your warm audience that you created with your pixel. That's why it's so important, right? With that being said, if you're not using a pixel and you're running an ad, or maybe you want to test it out, which is a great thing, try to keep per ad campaign one interest in your audience. Because you want, again, it's about the data that comes back to you. So say you're running an ad campaign with five different interests. You're not going to know which one was good based on the results coming back. If you throw in too many interests into one campaign, if you can try to keep an interest in each campaign. And again, I'm trying to say too much because it can get really confusing. Okay. So so you would focus on just like skincare. So I definitely would have to look at the audience more. Put it this way. I'm going to give you an example. All right. And then maybe can help the audience too, by thinking how this would work for them. Say it was something like when you run ads, Try to use your warm market, right? Warm market means the pixeled audience, right? Or lookalike audiences that you created with your pixel. The second option, if you're actually making an ad and you're going to be creating a targeted audience, try to keep your targeted audience like similar type of interest. So what that would look like, say you have a wine club, right? You sell wine. You want people to join your wine club. So maybe in one of your ads, you're going to target wine club members. You're going to target you know, another type of wine membership, maybe even a something that's related to wine. Maybe it's like a chocolate club membership, like something in the first audience would be all about memberships, something, something memberships, but the same thing in common, it's a membership type interest. Okay. Where the other ad that you're running to maybe test it alongside with is actual, a brand of wine. Maybe it's a resort, a wine, what's that called? Would you even target like a Merlot? Would you even target it to the type of wine? Okay. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. And then maybe even, what's that place you go when you drink wine? You know, I'm not a big wine drinker or a big drinker, but. Like a wine bar? No, when you go. Oh, a vineyard? Yeah. (laughs) I don't drink a lot of wine either. Yeah. But I don't think when they go and they they wine Wine tasting. tasting. Yeah. Yeah. Like those, I've done done those, you know, I don't drink wine, which is odd. So anyway, so you target like different types, you know, you try to keep your audience similar, at least do that. Then again, try not to add in too many interest. Okay. The whole thing is just keep in that, you know, and again, I want to say too much on that because I don't want to be for it to be confusing because it does take time to understand. But the whole point is that collect the data, right, that you're using and make sure that you monitor and know what's working, what's not. If your audience is too large because you threw too many things in the audience and you can't really tell how many people came from this audience or that audience, then you know it's too big. I make, make sense. It smaller. Yeah, just try to keep it. Always go back to keep it simple. Like really keep it simple. Collect the data. Read the data. If you can't read the data, go back and make it more simple. So the only thing I want, and I hate to go back, but clarity on is the difference in the amount 
where the dollar should be. So the $60 versus the higher, like $200, $300 fat. So if I'm understanding right, like the $60 would be just for I'm trying to get like to build my warm leads up maybe. And then the larger amount of ads I would be targeting for, okay, I want to get X amount of facial members. So Mm -hmm. that member of a lifetime is going to cost me more. That's the only part that I was just a little like, "Eh." And the thing is too, is the first type of engagement ad that I meant is the purpose of building no like, and trust. And the whole idea behind that is that, so it's a smaller amount, is a cheap, the whole amount of the idea of that is that I want you or for anybody to have an audience that they created so that when they're ready to sell anything, that they have a targeted audience that knows what they do already, that is ready to buy from them, whether it be a yearly product you put out, whether there be a group membership, whether you're an author, whatever you do, they are not because they just, they like your personality. Yeah, that's one part, but they also support and learn from you. You give value, you support them by what you do. So, awesome. so building your build audience, audience, is so audience building yeah. for the lower price points, ready to sell for the higher. Okay, well, got it. Yeah, that and use sense. that audience, then take that audience that you built a relationship with, and then take that audience and retarget them with the, what you're selling. Perfect. Promotion. That, yes, that totally makes sense. Now, the audience does not notice, but Sharon, you have built a very specific system, and it's called the four by four. And a lot of people obviously don't have it because you designed this and I cannot wait for you to share about this. Why is your method different? What is it? How does it work? Okay, great. Thank you for asking. So the four by four process, probably a little over a year ago, year and a half ago, I started realizing like, all right, what is it, you know, going back to how I work with my clients, how do I get them results? And what do I believe in my heart that I'm like, all right, this is it. And this is you know, again, it's like this, I stand firmly on this. And I think it makes absolute sense. And as you start rolling out these steps or pillars that I'll describe, you will see a difference. You'll see more sales. You'll see whatever your goal is, it will help. So yeah, it's a four by four process. And I include four pillars, right? Four foundational pieces to helping someone get more sales or again, support whatever their efforts are. So the first one is strategy. So pillar one is strategy. The second pillar is building connections. The third pillar is advertising. The fourth pillar is reviewing your metrics and tweaking. So again, going back to the first oh, pillar. All the yeah. things that we've talked about today. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Thank you. So the first strategy, right? The first pillar strategy, you have to know where you are and where you're going, what your plans are, right? And make a concrete strategy. You'll need to know what platforms, you know, where are your clients? Now, this does not just include Facebook at all because this is your overall marketing plan. So this is why my 4x4 process is created because I only work with business owners at this point. I don't work with, you know, other social media managers and so forth. But I want the business owner to understand their direction, the understand the overall mindset of the purpose of being on social media and how it can help them obtain their goals that they want. So once they learn their strategy, which includes the revenue goals and so forth, right, for a certain amount of time, they need to know what platforms their prospects will be on, right? Go to where their prospects are and have a discussion with them there. They'll need to do things like competitive analysis just to know to the other people in the same area. And then messaging, right? Just make sure that they're speaking and they're consistent. So make up this whole strategic plan for all these, each one of these different types of, um, of platforms. Now, with that being said, I do focus up more so in this, in my group coaching, we discuss Facebook and Instagram more so. Oh, okay. So you so, offer group coaching as well? 
Yeah. So in this four by four process, so the first thing is strategy. The second part is building connections, building know, like, and trust, mm-hmm. how to show up, be authentic and so forth. And then really, you know, and build a warm audience, but organically. Okay. That's where it comes to just showing up, doing your post, you know, how many times you're coming up a week and so forth. How many times you're posting per day, whatever you have you just build those connections. The third part is where the advertising comes in. Right. So you have the strategy. You're starting to build connections. You're consistent. You know, what, you know, what platform is you're on. You're showing up. And now the third part is those is advertising the two types of ads that we spoke about. Right. The engagement and then the promotional ads. And then the fourth part of this is always reviewing the metrics of everything. Are you on target for meeting your plans, your strategic plans that you made? You know, do you have the following? Are you building connections? Did you have your pixel audience growing? You know, are you tracking conversations and building that database? Is your email list growing, right? So it's basically a a circle. It's just a process of how to build a know, like, and trust, but put Facebook ads behind it to get your results faster. So this is awesome. I love this. And I love how simple it is. So, okay, these four steps, this is how you can take your business to the next level if you do these four steps. So if a business owner wants to do this themselves, can they, how do they do that? Can they join your group coaching and then you help train through that? They can take your course when it's done or what do you recommend? Do they find a strategy coach? How does this work? Well, what I have right now is I have a four by four process group coaching. The actual, the next one starts June 4th. And what this consists of is four two hour weekly meetings right? All the calls are recording and we go over the each pillar, right? So it's four two-hour meetings and they have recordings and they get a copy of the presentation and they also get worksheets and download. You, yes, you got to have a recording for this. Yeah, yeah you do. You even do. me, I'm going to listen to this podcast many times. Like, what did <laughs> say? What amount yeah. was that? <laughs> yeah. And the funny thing is, right? So you do, you, so it's all recorded and there's videos and presentations and things like that. Now the business owner, right, understands exactly what the process is, what their plan is, um, how to develop it. But they can actually take this now and give everything over to a VA or someone else to to make the process to implement everything. Right. Oh, my gosh. I love that. Oh, thank you so much. And I think it's unique in that. It encompasses building relationships, real relationships. Even if it's a small audience, just get a, a smaller audience will do wonders compared to tens of thousands of fake followers anytime. Yeah. And then watch the numbers. If you watch Absolutely. the numbers, you'll see what's working, what's not, and then change. Make changes, but you have to look at your numbers. Otherwise, you can't change what's not monitored. You know, I really believe in that. Whether it be a diet, right? Journaling your food. I don't care what it is. If you don't track it, you're not going to know. And you're probably not going to as good if you didn't track it. Budget yeah, or anything. Absolutely. Small business owners, if you're going to be a business owner, you've got to get comfortable with numbers or at least you need to learn about it and then find people that can help you read your numbers. That's what I do. I'm and actually really process. bad at numbers. Yeah, I'm horrible at numbers. I'll be I the first admitted. I doubt you are. I know I'm really bad. <laughs> You're funny. I'm like, look, this is how much we have in our bank account. This is what we can afford. But what I've done, though, I over the years, I have found people and consultants that help me with that. And then they've educated me on. So now I can read my numbers. So perfect. I think it's just about being, you know, yourself, you find people who are smarter than you. That's what I do. I always, yep. I'm always surrounding myself with people who know more than me. That's ideal. We all yeah. do that, right? And I, too, I don't. Yep. Exactly. So awesome. I cannot wait to 
for me even to even check out your group coaching. So for those who want to learn more, we've covered so much today. I'm so excited. I just, well, first of all, before you tell everybody where they can find you, is there anything else that you would like to talk about or go over? Don't buy followers. Don't, there's still people that buy followers and I don't know how many accounts I've gone in and I've been paid a lot of money to clean up accounts. You know, the whole idea of retargeting your audience, if you buy fake followers, it just messes up. You may as well just take your accounts and throw them away and start over. And I've seen people do that. So yeah, don't buy followers. Just don't do that. And why is that? It messes up uh, their audience. Is that what? Well, okay. So for people that don't understand that. So let's say you have an audience 5,000 people on Instagram because you, the last month you bought 5,000, right? Because you can buy as many as you want. Wow, they didn't even have one? <laughs> no. Oh, no. Well, it's really bad. Yeah. <laughs> okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. You can buy 10,000, you can buy 20,000, but you can usually tell by, if you look at the comments, there's none. Or they actually have these things where it's group commenting, like, you know, they, they can actually, different levels they buy into and they get fake comments as well, whatever. But the point is, is if you look at, this one account, this last one that I just was like, oh, stop doing that. If you look at the account, the followers were a bunch of 13-year-old boys or girls from other countries, or they were basically porn stars. And we're talking about the thought. It was just ridiculous. And, and this person did not stand for that. Mm-hmm. It was just such a blatant fake audience. And the thing is, right, they're not going to sell anything to them. Right. Other thing is, yeah. oh, it's crazy. It gets me so, ag- it's a whole point. It's like, okay, if you're doing that, it's because you want numbers. You want vanity. That's all. That's all that matters. And everyone, but I do understand people do that without knowing. I understand that too. Like, I, you know, especially like three years ago, people were doing that thinking that no harm from it. Now, first of all, Facebook, Instagram, if you have a problem with your ad and they got to go in there and fix something or see why an ad was shut off, if they notice you did that, they can take your account away instantly. Okay. Mm-hmm. So people don't realize that until you have to reach out to Facebook that if you've been doing something, be careful at that point. I'm just telling you right now, that's one reason. But with that being said, with that alone, you want to be able to target your ads to your audience, right? That's the cheapest way. That's the way you nurture them is by people that are connected to you. So that's why too, is you want to make sure the people that follow you, I hate to say the word like, right? Because it seems so you know, cold or not like they're real. Yeah, people. I like that. Yeah, that follow but, or yeah, yeah, it's like anticipate or I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Right. You want to see these people as real people that you're going to build a relationship. These are relationships. These are actually people. They're not just numbers. When you look at them just like numbers, then it doesn't make a difference. You buy numbers, you, you know, they come, they go, whatever. But it does reflect in how you sell. Plus, I like to think that you have a product that you feel actually help people will help build them in some way and make them feel better about themselves. So whatever it is, it's not just a number. Nobody wants to be considered a number in any area and especially in your marketing as well. You want to market correctly. So don't use fake followers because it messes everything up. It does. I know you have the second part that you want to say, but I did want to also say this, that having real people, it takes a lot of time. So for example, I used to post way more on my Instagram, like every day. And now I just can't do it. So what I do is I usually typically post like once a week, twice a week if I'm really lucky. But I have found that that's really all the time that I have for. And then I do the rest in stories because my time is on other platforms. And honestly, I run a, obviously run a spa mm-hmm. business. So I am busy. And even right now I'm doing podcasts and yeah. there's a lot to goes to get this podcast in production. So I'm stretched thin. So is it okay? Like that, that's, that's really nope. all the time I have. Honestly, that's perfect. And the reason why it's a couple of, now I'm going to have to throw in one more thing quickly. <laughs> so that's perfect because 
first of all, people on Instagram are using stories, right? They want to actually right. build a connection with people. So generally, well, statistics show that people first look at stories. And then if they're like, find someone in stories or they see something on stories, like, oh, actually, the extra thing will be now to look at the actual page as opposed to just scrolling. More people are apt to watch stories first. So that's what, what I do. Find. Exactly. Me too. You know, that's fine. So do you make, you're doing your stories, you're still having, you know, you can still see your insights through your stories and how many people are watching them and so forth. And you're still starting conversations and stories are actually better because now you get directly into someone's direct messaging. They and also, you, it's better. Also, what, how I keep up with people is when I do a post, mm-hmm. my strategy is I'll go and comment on their stuff because I think you need to have it. It's a two-way street. So I yes. al- you'll notice I always give a comment back. Yeah. And then when somebody gives a comment on mine, so I'll go in when I do a post and I'll go to group is what I call them. Like I know, yeah. like I know them. And that's actually my time to see what they're up to. So I'm like, oh, yeah. cool. This is what they're up to. And I make a comment. And then for the people that just automatically make a comment on that post, I answer, you know, their comment and then I go to their page too. So that's normally how I keep it up. It's definitely not me scrolling, you know, four hours a day because Mm -hmm. I'm just not able to. You don't have time. Exactly. You teach people how to treat you on social media, right? So if you go and make a thoughtful comment, right, most people do want to respond the same way, do the same back for you as well. Honestly, Sharon, when there's times when I'm trying to have that engagement with somebody and it's just a one-way street, I'm like, okay, we're just exactly. not, we're not exactly. on the same page. So see you and later. You know. <laughs> exactly. And now you know, right? Exactly. With that being said too, I just want to say quickly is that I'm not in the game of making oh, totally new content for each different platform. You know, like you said, you're so busy. Business owners are busy or business, you know, employees or whatever. They don't always have a different marketing department or another content creator, right? So take the main piece of content, whether it be YouTube or maybe it's a blog post or maybe you're on Instagram and take that content and repurpose it for each platform appropriately. You're going to have to tweak it a little bit, right? To make it appropriate. Absolutely. But don't go taking the strategy because you won't be able to keep it up because you got other things you have to concentrate on. And that's okay. Absolutely. I even took a TikTok video that I did and TikTok has like different like songs and stuff. They're more edgy and stuff. And my Instagram vibe is more like spa and chill. So I even took like the post I did for TikTok and then I repurposed that on my Instagram feed, but I changed the song out and I changed the graphics and I was like, there we go. Exactly. Perfect. Right. Yeah, I didn't have time to do both. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> and it'd be a shame if you did, because then you'd probably not be able to keep up with everything else. So. Well, yeah. I'll also give a tip for TikTok mm-hmm. and Instagram. All the Instagram stories that you've done in the past, people have not seen those yet. So those mm-hmm. stories, when we know we have a ton of stories, mm-hmm. you can repurpose those old stories and yep. spin it differently, add a song, add some pictures and videos, merge them together. And then you've already got your TikTok video or you've already got an IG, you've already got yep. another post. It's just way down in your camera, in your camera exactly. roll. I call those evergreen posts. So if you have evergreen, any type of platform that you're on at all, you know, make sure you create evergreen posts like you're mentioning that, you know, you can go back to and pull from. Yeah, use exactly. Again. They're yeah. still valid. Yeah, exactly. Oh, there's valid. nothing wrong with it. It's, it's smart marketing, if anything. You know, you're supposed to repeat yeah. the same message so that there's no question as to what you stand for. What you exactly. For. So and then keep to your niche. I think. Exactly. Like, yeah. Like to have a few. I don't know what the number is. It's like three or five. I am skincare, obviously, small business and 
Lord, I talk about my Weight Watchers all the time. So you will see me. (laughs) You'll see me post my food, what I had today, staying in between my points. (laughs) Yeah. But everyone loves that. Yeah. I'm so interested myself. (laughs) So awesome. Oh my gosh, Sharon, this has just been just like tons of just such good information. I felt like we hit the jackpot. I really do for everybody. I'm so excited. So tell everybody where they can find you, how they can follow along. Sure. So you can find me at, of course, my website, which is SharonLCassidy.com. And then my Facebook would be Facebook.com backslash SharonLCassidy 4x4. Instagram would be Instagram backslash SharonLCassidy. And then on LinkedIn, SharonLCassidy. So basically, everybody look for Sharon L. Cassidy. L. Cass. My middle name is Lynn. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it is. Oh, perfect. Yes. Okay. I love that. Especially it's like short for, but for a little bit of Lynn and Lindsay. A little bit of Lindsay. <laughs> yep. There we go. Well, everybody, all this information will be also listed in the show notes. And please reach out to Sharon. She's so lovely. And can they DM you, Sharon? And Of course they can. Oh, please do. I would love that. Okay. Yes. Any wonderful. questions at all? Any questions? Yes. Awesome. All right. Thanks so much, Sharon. I Thank appreciate you, Lindsay, it. Thank you, Lindsay, for having me. Bye-bye. This episode is sponsored by Organic Tan Face and Body, a natural beauty and wellness spa located in Greenville, South Carolina, and owned by our very own Lindsay Holder. Come visit the spa today, where they strive to bring out your natural glow. Visit the spa online at organictanfaceandbody.com and follow them along on Instagram.